It's Wednesday, August the 18th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, the Taliban speak and Iran further enriches its uranium. First, the world in brief. Mullah Abdul Ghani Barada, the de facto leader of the Taliban, arrived in the Afghan city of Kandahar from Doha in Qatar, where he ran the group's political office. On Tuesday, at their first press conference since taking the capital, the Taliban claimed that they had, quote, emancipated Afghanistan and it would no longer be, quote, a battlefield of conflict. They pledged to honour women's rights, quote, within the framework of Sharia, Islamic law. Journalists, meanwhile, will remain unharmed so long as they, quote, remain independent and do not, quote, work against national values. The Taliban said they would provide civilians seeking to flee Afghanistan with, quote, safe passage to the airport. America evacuated 1,100 people on Tuesday and will aim to take up to 9,000 people in each of the next several days. Iran has enriched uranium to 60% purity, according to the UN's atomic watchdog, bringing it ever closer to the 90% level needed for nuclear weapons. In April, it began a program to increase the 20% purity it had already achieved, another breach of the nuclear agreement it signed in 2015. Donald Trump pulled America out of that deal. Joe Biden is keen to resurrect it. New Zealand confirmed that its handful of new COVID-19 cases are of the Delta variant, making it one of the last countries in the world the strain has penetrated. Its outbreak is linked to one in Sydney, Australia. Jacinda Ardern, the Prime Minister, ordered a snap lockdown of seven days in Auckland and Coromandel, where one patient visited and three days elsewhere. Texas Governor Greg Abbott tested positive for COVID-19, a day after hobnobbing without a mask at a, quote, standing room only rally. Mr Abbott suggested one reason he had no symptoms was because he is vaccinated. Despite a surge in cases, the governor has issued executive orders banning government entities from requiring masks or vaccines. As classes resume this week, many public schools are defying his mask ban. BHP announced plans to decamp from the London Stock Exchange, instead listing only in Sydney. Investors had long pressured the Anglo-Australian mining giant to abandon its dual listing to boost returns and take advantage of Australian tax benefits. The LSE will miss it. BHP is one of the largest market capitalisations in the FTSE 100 index. But the firm plans to retain the secondary listing in London. Walmart beat Wall Street expectations, reporting a 2.4% year-on-year increase in total revenue in the quarter ending in July. The beast of Bentonville benefited from shoppers snapping up luggage and school supplies as travel picked up and classrooms reopened. Meanwhile, Home Depot recorded its highest quarterly revenue ever but still underperformed analysis expectations as the lockdown-induced DIY craze tapered off. Hui Kai-yen stepped down as chairman of Hengda Real Estate, a subsidiary of Evergrande, China's biggest property developer. Shares in the company tumbled by nearly 4% in trading on Tuesday after the announcement was made. Evergrande has more debt than any other non-financial Chinese-listed company, mostly because of poor management. And fact of the day, over 40%. The annualised total returns the S&P Global Clean Tech Index has generated over the last three years, more than double those of the benchmark S&P 500 index of big American firms. And now here's today's agenda. Armless but not legless. NVIDIA results. NVIDIA is flirting with its first big failure since becoming the global semiconductor industry's newest titan. 
The American company is eyeing a $40 billion acquisition of ARM, a Britain-based firm that designs the chips used in most smartphones. Were it to come off, the deal would be a coup for NVIDIA, entrenching its lead in chips for artificial intelligence. Regulators are said to be sceptical. Authorities in America, Britain, China and the European Union must all approve the deal. Britain's government is believed to frown on the transaction for national security reasons. China is unlikely to want ARM, a key supplier to its tech industry, falling into American hands. How would NVIDIA fare without it? Today's second quarter results should reassure investors. Wall Street expects NVIDIA's two biggest businesses, gaming and data centers, to drive revenue of $6.3 billion for the quarter ending August 1st, up by a cool 64% year-on-year. That should sustain its stratospheric market value of $497 billion. But longer term, NVIDIA probably needs ARM or another deal to keep rising. State-run people smuggling Belarus and the EU Belarus, angry with Lithuania for protecting exiled opponents of Alexander Lukashenko, the country's despotic president, recently began herding Iraqi migrants across its northern border. Since January, nearly 2,800 have crossed, roughly one for every 1,000 Lithuanians. The tiny Baltic state's lawmakers scrambled to tighten asylum law, approving a border fence costing 152 million euros, 178 million dollars, 0.3% of the country's GDP. The European Commission pledged 36 million euros to help house and process migrants, and two weeks ago scheduled an online meeting for today to discuss further action. But now they face a fast-changing problem. Belarusian and Lithuanian guards are staring each other down on the border. Meanwhile, most migrants are instead crossing into Poland, which this month gave asylum to a Belarusian Olympian who feared persecution. Mr Lukashenko has clearly found a pressure point. The EU has convinced Iraqi airways to suspend flights to Minsk, but there are other places with willing migrants to throw Europe's way. Afghanistan leaps to mind. Poised for a comeback Britain's inflation Economists expect a small drop in the headline annual rate of inflation when British data are published today. The respite will be brief. Rising energy costs and global production bottlenecks are expected to push goods prices higher in the second half of the year. Back in May, the Bank of England expected consumer price inflation to only surpass its 2% target at the end of 2021, with inflation remaining above 2% until late 2022. But earlier this month, it revised its forecast. It now looks like CPI could approach 4% this winter. As long as high inflation reflects global developments in goods prices rather than domestically generated services price inflation, the bank should remain relaxed. No policy tightening is expected until 2022 at the earliest. But if the jobs market recovery is stronger than expected, that might come forward. Hush Hush Methane leaks. This week, Bloomberg reported that a large methane cloud hovered over part of Iraq in July. Its appearance coincided almost exactly with a leak of liquefied petroleum gas, which often contains methane, from a pipeline operated by Oil Pipelines Co., a state-owned company. The company swears that it had nothing to do with the methane cloud. But such leaks are worryingly common and too often go unreported. Though it hangs around for less time, Methane warms the planet far faster than carbon dioxide. 
If the methane released in Iraq, with an estimated rate of more than 160 tonnes an hour, lasted a full day, it would have the same impact on the climate as the annual emissions of 200,000 cars. The latest report from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, a UN-funded body, released this month, emphasises that only by rapidly reducing methane emissions along with carbon dioxide does the world stand a chance of keeping temperatures less than 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels before 2050. Wednesday Profile Mullah Abdul Ghani Barada, de facto leader of the Taliban Mullah Abdul Ghani Barada was not among the Taliban men who strode, unopposed, into the presidential palace in Kabul, Afghanistan's capital, on August 15th. But he is credited with getting them there. Having just returned to the country for the first time in over a decade, he is expected to be anointed as the leader of the hastily resurrected Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan. Born into an influential Pushtun tribe in southern Afghanistan in 1968, in his youth, Mullah Barada fought with Mujahideen guerrillas against Soviet troops and the Afghan government they left behind. After the war, he helped Mullah Muhammad Omar, his former commander, found the Taliban, quote, students, a posse of hardline seminarians united to sweep away heathen local warlords who then swiftly conquered much of the country in 1996. As a spiritual leader and emir, Mullah Omar decreed the strictest interpretation of Sharia, Islamic law. Under his rule, Mullah Barada rose to the rank of Deputy Defence Minister. After the American invasion in 2001, senior members of the Taliban ran things from Pakistan. Less extremist than some, Mullah Barada was still committed to violent jihad, fighting against the enemies of Islam. In 2010, he was tracked down by America's CIA and arrested in Pakistan. In 2018, at the request of the Americans, Pakistani officials released him from prison to participate in peace negotiations in Doha. Since 2016, he has served under Mullah Haibatullah Akhundzada. Mullah Omar died in 2013, though his death was concealed for two years. In February 2020, it was Mullah Barada's signature on an agreement made by America to withdraw its forces, the precursor, it was hoped, to a power-sharing agreement between the Taliban and Afghanistan's government. Mullah Barada claimed to want, quote, a free, independent, united and developed country with, quote, an Islamic system in which all tribes could, quote, live their lives in love and brotherhood. The promise that bloody theocrats could change was what many Afghans and the West wanted to hear. In a press conference yesterday, the group promised that women's rights would be guaranteed, quote, within the limits of Islam, and that free media would be protected. But in some recently seized areas, the Taliban have already reimposed draconian restrictions on women. In Kabul, those who worked with the occupiers face intimidation, beatings or worse. Summer Quiz Week 5 Ready to beat our baristas yet again in our Summer Quiz? For Week 5, we'll again serve up a daily question. On Thursday, your challenge will be to give all four answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 5pm BST on Thursday to editor-espresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Friday. Wednesday what term is used by Rastafarians to refer to Western society? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Brian Aldiss, who died on this day in 2017. Whatever creativity is, it is in part a solution to a problem. 
that's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. Thank you.